Welcome into Debate Night. We have a very exciting episode. This has been a quite a newsworthy week in disc golf. We're going to talk a lot about Gannon Burr today. We're going to mention the All-Star Weekend a little bit and a few other topics today. We have an absolutely stacked cast today. Uh, we've got Brody Smith in the house coming to us live from Vegas. Uh, we've got Hunter back on the show after his hiatus. He finally was um, he worked up the courage to hop back on. We've got Robbie C. here repping the Vikings, and then we've got uh, one of our returning champions, Dustin, here as well. So it's going to be a great show. Before we hop into our first subject, I want to talk to you just for a second about uh, the Foundation Disc Golf Patreon program. We call it the Heiser Club. If you've never heard of it, basically you pay a small monthly fee. We have a few different tiers that unlock different benefits for you. We do an exclusive weekly podcast. We do an exclusively, exclusive monthly video that you get to choose what we make. Uh, we also have discounts for our site and a few exclusive drops as well. We do all kinds of cool things over there. So make sure to go to Foundation Disc or not foundation disc go to patreon.com slash foundation disc golf you can join the heiser club there uh, we have some really affordable options and it's just a cool way to get more foundation content if that's what you're looking for um but let's get into this show uh so we're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot about the uh the gannon burr prodigy situation today um it's it's certainly just kind of unraveling as we speak um but we're just gonna start kind of just broad opinions here and go is this prodigy lawsuit the biggest scandal in disc golf history? And what was your initial reaction, Brody? All right. Well, uh, first off, this does feel like kind of a little bit of an all-star uh, show. So I, I tip the cap to you, Trevor, to getting all of us together on this one. Wow. Um, I think this is probably the biggest known scandal. Oh, uh, you know, I think with just disc golf's media, you, you see that all too well. Like, we don't really know how the story came about, right? But we have noticed in the last maybe year or so, more things that probably would have gone under the rug are coming out. Again, I'm not probably the best person to answer this question because I've only been in disc golf for three years. I haven't really gone back and searched scandals uh, that had happened. I do know there was, um, you know, maybe something that was, not necessarily in disc golf, but someone that played disc golf had some legal stuff outside of disc golf that kind of came up. Uh, and I know that's kind of randomly thrown around every once in a while. But as far as like known stuff, this is probably the biggest one. The only thing I would say is like the words. And again, I don't know why I, I do this to you, Trevor, every week it feels like because I'm not like even a wordsmith myself. But like when I think of scandal, I don't necessarily think of like a lawsuit of someone like unabiding by a contract. I think of like, oh, this person had an affair with this person or this person got DUI or this person got caught doing, you know, but I guess this is the biggest scandal. And my initial reaction, not surprised. Uh, I know you guys talked about this at length on Griplocked. We have kind of been talking about this happening for a while with just how people seem to be so eh, eh, on both sides with contracts of where companies can just manufacturers and players were just like, eh, and then just go and then nothing happens. I feel like we knew this day was eventually upon us. So I wasn't surprised. Uh, was I surprised that it was Gannon and Prodigy? Yes, but I wasn't surprised that there was actually a lawsuit in this situation. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, in the scope of disc golf, this is really, and as far as public information, especially like you mentioned, this is probably as scandalous as it gets uh, so far. Uh, Hunter, what what are what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, I gotta I gotta side with Brody when I saw the word scandal. I was like, I mean, I don't know if I would use the word scandal to describe what's going down, but initial reaction, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I was shocked in the sense of it finally happened. I was shocked in the sense of who all was involved. But I wasn't shocked that like this happened. Like it, we we've seen the inner workings of disc golf contracts. We've seen people leave contracts early. Heck, we've even seen similar situations with similar companies. We go back to like 2016 and the whole Paige Pierce thing. But a lot of the stuff was kept under wraps, right? Where we don't know the inner workings. We don't know what happened. There's also if we're going just like scandal in general. There's a lot of stuff that like sure, I'm sure all of us could say something on air right now that people would be like, "What? You're kidding me? That happened?" And there's also some known scandals that we don't need to bring back up, but. I think this is the biggest because it has lasting implications for the sport that I'm sure we're going to get into down the road a little bit. So I think from the standpoint of public knowledge, media coverage, and future implications, yeah, this is one of the, the biggest things, scandal or whatever you want to call it, this is one of the biggest things that happen in the sport, period. Okay. Robbie, scandal, no scandal? What's What do you think? Yeah, so I love that we're, we're working on the word scandal. I think the most interesting part of the question here is that is it this Prodigy lawsuit? Uh, we're forgetting the fact that like Prodigy is just kind of shrouded in this kind of take the entire time. Look back at 2011 when they brought on their super team and they couldn't even afford to pay all the super team members they brought to change the sport of disc golf. Uh, so like we know issues like that have been occurring for a while. We have... Uh, Macbeth lost to Shoestrick uh, with a Firebird stamped Prodigy disc because they couldn't even keep up with their own manufacturing. So I think like Prodigy and Scandal kind of go hand in hand through their history, it seems, throughout this time. Uh, but if I really were to point out what I think is the biggest scandal, because I'm with everyone else, I wasn't like shocked when this came about. I, you know, we always forget about two words. Josh Anthon, still sponsored. Something, something to be said well, there. So like I said, it seems that like Robbie was just like, hey, everything no one else wants to talk about. I'll, just <laughs> <Yeah. come on." laughs> I'll throw the name out there. <laughs> yeah, all right. Now that that's all out there, Dustin, care to add? Yeah, I mean, look, just like Brody, I've only been around the sport for a few years, so I'm not too familiar with like a lot of public scandals. I mean, obviously, the Anthon one is a crazy story, and there's a lot of scandal behind that. And then you had the whole Nico Lacasho situation just because of how much it impacted his own individual career and his reputation and was actually like ruled on by the official governing bodies of disc golf. But this clearly takes the cake because this is going past governing bodies of disc golf and into the literal federal court of law, uh, which I think they – Gannon's side probably didn't expect it to go this far. And my initial reaction kind of even goes back before the court case got announced because I thought Gannon and, and, Tip, and Prodigy were pretty tight, especially himself and Will Shoestrick. Like, there seemed to be a really close relationship there. And obviously, he was kind of synonymous with Prodigy because he came up through Prodigy, you know, being the 2021 20, Rookie of the Year. And we all know the crazy year he had last year with USDGC. Um, so when it, it got announced he was leaving, I just thought, cause he secured the bag, he, he got a deal he couldn't refuse and project couldn't match it or something like that. I didn't think that there was all this legal stuff going on in the background. Um, however, like some of the people have mentioned, it's like, we've been waiting for something like this to happen. Like someone leaving a contract early and actually getting caught on it instead of getting away scot-free. Um, you know, I think with Simon, there was like a buyout involved. So that was a little different, but we've definitely seen some other ones kind of flare up and, and, and kind of go weird. Um, that aside, my initial reaction is, is is like at first I thought maybe Cannon had legitimate grievances about commemorative disc and stuff, but then it's like 
broken promises aren't the same thing as like contractual obligations. And then there are commemorative discs on the Prodigy website for Ganon. So I'm a little bit confused on all the details. It's kind of hazy. Um, but no matter how this goes, it's just going to show the importance of needing to have stuff in writing and showing that like disc golf contracts need to continue to evolve to be more detailed and ironclad. Yeah, I think hazy is a good way to describe things at the moment. Um, quick, quickly for you, definition of scandal. Um, <laughs> um, an action or event regarded, and I'm saying that mostly because I don't know. I'm just trying to prove, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm correct or not. Uh, an action or event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing general public outrage. So I would yeah, say it's like, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, someone defended you on scandal. Yeah, th thank you for that, Robbie. I, I really needed that because I was I was feeling a little stupid. Um, all right, quick points update. Right now, we got Brody at two, Hunter at four, Robbie at three, and Dustin at three. Uh, we're gonna keep going uh, with this subject for a few of the topics here, uh, and I think this next one is is a really important one, and that is, you know, I'm just wondering. How could each party, obviously Gannon and Prodigy being each of those parties, uh, be impacted by this lawsuit in the long term? Because obviously, um, you know, there's going to be initial fallout, but then the fallout is probably going to could go on for a while, especially depending on, on how this thing unfolds. Um, so, Hunter, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I'll start with Prodigy. And I mean, a lot of this is actually in their uh, their court filings. They're alleging already that some damage to the brand recognition is happening. And obviously in their court filings, they quoted a few different things. But I think long term, what's at risk for Prodigy here is win or lose in the lawsuit, win or lose in all of this. It, it is going to have some type of effect, whether it's positive or negative. It seems to be mostly negative right now on how people perceive their brand. Um, so I think that's something that they must have, surely they weighed in before they made this decision. Um, but I think it could affect Prodigy long-term because it's going to be, a, it's opening up for a little bit of financial risk. Obviously a lawsuit does that, but it's also opening them up for unrealized financial risk just from public perception. On Gannon's side, I think it really depends on how this goes down. Uh, it could affect his, you know, signability with other manufacturers. But I think the big thing is he's in a formative point in his career and if the lawsuit doesn't go his way, from what I was reading, it seems that he could be unsigned and unsponsored during possibly a few major championships over the next few years, which that could be just interesting for the growth and development of his career and missed income, possibly. Yeah, certainly something to look out for, uh, no doubt. Dustin, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think on the Gannon side of things, he could lose this lawsuit and be forced to play out his contract, which is obviously going to limit his income because there's no reason for Prodigy to pay him more now because they won the lawsuit and he can't escape his deal for, you know, a better opportunity from a different, you know, manufacturer or something along those lines. I think it could scare off some companies from wanting to work with Gannon. Like, I know that, you know, the community popularity seems to be on Gannon's side, but there could be companies out there who didn't like the way Gannon are ha is handling things uh, and feel like his material breach claims are false or just didn't like the way he did that whole announcement. And so that could turn some people away from him. I think this is also something that could loom over him all season and potentially affect his performance. It didn't at All-Stars. That's a way different kind of event than playing a tour event. So you have to wonder how it might impact how he performs on the course. Um, I think there will be varied like public opinions about him, so it could affect his reputation one way or another, just for people generally out there in the community. And as you know, Hunter was saying, if this thing drags on, this could like really impact whether he gets sponsored or not. He could be in limbo, and that exaggerates his financial loss. Now, for Prodigy, obviously in the court of public opinion, a lot of people are going to see like these alleged broken promises as a problem, whether they're legally bonding or not. Um, it's going to add to the growing list of players that have seemingly had issues with Prodigy in the past and have moved on. Um, 
usually people take the player side in these situations is kind of what I'm getting at. So I could just see Prodigy taking a hit to the reputation. And they are in that lose-lose scenario where if they win this lawsuit, they have a player who's begrudgingly representing them and everybody knows about it. But if they yeah. win, then if they lose, they lose Burr. So they, they lose, you know, having him and earning money off him and stuff like that. And they have to deal with all the public perception uh, fallback. So it's just like a lose-lose for Prodigy. Right. Yeah, that's the situation that could be the most interesting is is him still representing Prodigy almost unwillingly. Um, Robbie, how do you see things? Yeah, so I think that from the Gannon side of things, the most interesting part of this, like, long-term effect is just if you look at all the facts of he – allegedly started having issues with the quality in 2021 or is when he started saying it and yet he signed a big extension and two-year extension in 2022 so from the standpoint of like he's trying to work with the manufacturer but apparently they're not big enough at that point that he wants to sign with them for two more years and then suddenly he's down like he wants to leave so i think the wishy-washiness of it could be a factor for him signing with future people um, and then from the prodigy standpoint, I, yeah, like I, how do you recruit new players? If you look at the last two major players that have left your team and you've filed a lawsuit or tried to file a lawsuit, as we heard with Dickerson against both of them, like not a really appealing, no matter if you have the bestest in the world, Hey, by the way, when things go South with us, we're not going to let you leave easily. Uh, just not a great environment to have for your team. It seems. Yeah, the reputations of both of both entities are certainly on the line here. Uh, Brody, what do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'll piggyback with Robbie said. I think that's the big one with Prodigy moving forward, whether they win or lose, is trying to not just get the public opinion of their brand back, but also to get the trust back from other players. Right? You, you know, if if you if you're a up and coming player, you have a couple breakout seasons why would you want to sign something with Prodigy when there is other offers on the table? And I think that's something that they're going to really have to try to figure out how to fix because in, in a landscape that professional disc golf is headed right now, you know, having sponsored players is probably more important now than ever. You know, there, there is this idea of like, if you don't have anyone on your team, well, your disc probably just aren't that good. And I don't know if that necessarily was the, the as prominent back in the day, especially with how much media is going on. I think the other thing, and this is probably not even so much directed towards just Gannon, but I think this is directed towards everyone, is you got to get these contracts written in a way that aren't simply like handshake contracts. They can't just be these one-sheet bullet points and then sign, and then now you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars for the company. You got to get someone involved that knows what they're doing so that there are player options, there are buyouts, there are things written in the contract to where if things do go south, you have it in writing. And I think a lot of people are going to start getting lawyers and paying. Because let's be honest, if you're, if you're signing a $500,000 contract, it's probably not a bad idea to pay someone $20,000 or $50,000 or $5,000 or whatever to really look at the contract and make sure you're protected. That is probably a good idea and worth the value. And if you're not getting that done now, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of it happening in the future. 
Yeah, I think that um, and the the relationship with uh, having like sponsored players and how that impacts the public, you're you're definitely spot on there because that's I mean that's one of the things that Prodigy is alleging in their in the the filings and and that they're basically citing is people in comments and whatever are saying things like well like a product like who does prodigy even have now that they lost ganon like that was a big theme mm -hmm. and uh like that is definitely public perception and and what players you have is it, it can be a really big deal at the at the service level if you don't have people that are wanting to try every disc a lot of times they're going to look to where the players are um so one more topic on this uh before we move on and this is kind of now we're going to look at this in a sense of the disc golf industry not just the the situation um but this is so i want to know how how will the lawsuit impact the disc golf industry going forward and brody you kind of started to touch on it there a little bit um just like how are other entities within disc golf going to be impacted by this and how are they going to move forward from this um with with the new information that's going to be learned uh dustin you can go ahead and lead off for us so I think what this situation does is just kind of throw gas on the fire that we've already been seeing, which is that you are seeing more agents and representation enter the sport. Like you think about like Schaefer and Beacon and also just the idea of like lawyers are getting more involved in the contract building process. So that stuff was already kind of starting to happen because the stakes were getting higher because money is skyrocketing. And I imagine that the contracts of like a Macbeth, a Wysocki, and a Lizotte now are way more detailed than previous contracts have been in the past. So I feel like you already saw this move in the, in the direction of like having more seriously constructed contracts. And this just throws more accelerant on that evolution that we're seeing. I think, um, I think it just adds more momentum towards, you know, just getting that fleshed out more. Um, I think it's just, this lawsuit is just the symptom of the growing pains of this evolution that we're seeing with handshake contracts turning into like legitimate ones. Um, I think that every aspect of the player manufacturer relationship needs to be spelled out in full detail when it comes to like the expectations of the player and their responsibilities on how they represent their sponsor, as well as breaking down every aspect of compensation, not just salary, but like really define out signature disc and commemorative disc and what that means and what you should be getting from that. I think that that's going to be uh, a huge part of it. Um, and I think this also really adds to why we need some legitimate exit agreements or buyout clauses built into contracts. I think that's going to be a big thing going forward as well. And this court case, if it goes all the way through, it's going to set precedent for any future situations like this. Um, and it might make players think twice about leaving early, depending on how this goes. Yeah. The precedent is going to be, is going to be really crucial to the sport for sure. Um, Robbie, what do you think about it? Dustin kind of nailed a lot of the major points here, but knowing that we have to have defined contracts, obviously that's huge. I think another aspect that we really hopefully can look at is what companies are treating their players well and the value that that's going to have with players continuing to go forward. The, there is, I'm not going to say players are going to take a massive paycheck because at the end of the day, like the dollar sign is going to speak loudest, but knowing that a company is a treating their players well b fulfilling the ends of their agreements is going to make those companies even stronger in terms of what players they're able to attract to sell their discs but i think like honestly we need to understand that the impact this is going to have for the like overall casual player they get tied up in this at all and like we can see the future of okay any player entering the sport right now, they're getting into disc golf news. Prodigy, obviously, like, may never be with them. We talk about the Innova shift of we were Paul Innova fans, and now they shifted to Discraft. The new modern disc golfer is a Discraft fan. I These kind of contracts and these kind of situations 
truly managing your stuff and doing it well, I think has the biggest impact for the future fan of your brand. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that one. Um, Hunter, what are, uh, what are, no, sorry, Brody, I almost skipped you. Uh, Brody, mm. what do you, what do you think it's going to do for the industry? Yeah. I mean, I think there'll still be, you know, handshake contracts, if you will, but it'll, they'll be much on the smaller side of things. Right. So if someone reaches out to you and this happens all the time on social media with companies being like, Hey, we want to send you a hat. And you're like, okay, sure. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do anything with the hat. If you do post, if you do like it and you wear it, that's great for both people. You got a sick hat and they got a little promotion, but there's nothing agreement. There's no agreement there that you have to wear a hat. I'll tell you one story too, because I think this is very interesting. Uh, the PGA tour, they, have a really interesting setup with like celebrities and stuff. When you see like celebrities inside the ropes, right? Watching a lot of times the PGA tour will be like, Oh, look who we have here. It's like Peyton and Eli. They're watching tiger play at the players or whatever. A lot of times like the agencies and stuff set this up, but there is this idea that like the players being there will post something on social media, something about them being there. And there's times where like some famous actors and stuff, will literally go and not post a single thing. And all you're basically doing in that situation is having like bad goodwill. It gets around and then that doesn't really actually ever happen again. So my point that being is like, I think those will still sometimes happen where companies will reach out to players and say like, hey, we would love to send you this. If you, if you want, like a good one would be like the visionary net. I know, I don't know what their deal is with some people, but I'm sure they probably have sent some of those nets to some people to post about it, but there's no actual money going through. I think the big thing moving forward too is when you sign a contract, and I've said this from the beginning, when you sign a contract, if there is not stuff written in there that allows you to leave if, you don't, if you're not happy about something, you are stuck with that contract. And this is my last point I'm saying. If you sign, the difference between signing a one-year contract and a five-year contract is the five-year contract, you are saying basically like this is something that I can count on for five years. And that is putting pressure on the company because if you start sucking and start playing bad, the company can't just drop you. They, they're with you for those five years. So it's got to be the same way of if you sign that five-year contract and you start winning and you're a major champion and all this stuff after two years, you can't then just go, well, I, this contract is not worth how much I am. I'm out and bounce. It, it's got to go both sides. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a. I think that's a good point mentioning that like contracts just aren't. It's always important to have those clauses. I think a lot of people in disc golf might sign contracts optimistically sometimes, and it's it's not fun when you're signing with the company thinking, oh, I've got to protect myself. Like this could go wrong, but that's where you have to be sometimes. Uh, Hunter, would you, would you agree with that? Or how do you think this is going to impact things? Yeah, I think one, I have two points. One, I think it's already been touched on, which is, I think that this is going to change a little bit about how companies are writing contract, especially as the money gets bigger right now. What we see a lot of times is player A, B, C, and D all get a blanket contract that has like a little bit change. And I think there's going to be a lot more of like, we're writing this contract specifically for Brody or writing this contract specifically for Trevor. And it's a lot more of like nitty gritty details. And the second thing that I don't think has been touched on too much is I think this is going to change the agent industry a little bit because um, I think that this is should be a little bit scary if I'm an agent sitting there with no law background and I'm like, 
this is the type of stuff I have to worry about going forward. And hopefully players are smartened up to that too of like, no offense to Nate Perkins, but would Nate Perkins have caught some of this stuff with no law background versus going to a sports agent that has a law background or at least is getting legal counsel when they're negotiating these deals for me? I think that's going to be vitally crucial as the sport grows. And it might not be this specific instance that does that. It might be something with an agent involved that, you know, stuff falls out that causes it. But I think the agency industry in disc golf is going to see a shift. Yeah, I think I think when something like this happens, you're going to see a lot of players and companies walking on eggshells for a bit. Um, there's there's definitely going to be that sense of it takes something like this to trigger that carefulness, though. Like it, it, a lot of people were just kind of relying on, well, that will never happen. And, and now that it has, that's going to cause some really quick change, especially when there's all this money on the line. Um, all right, quick points update before we head into our last topic. Uh, very close right now. We've got Brody and Robbie at seven and Hunter and Dustin at nine points. Um, now we're going to, we're going to move away from the Gannon for now. We might get back into that in the final round, but, uh, we're going to talk about the all-star weekend a little bit. Uh, it just went down. Uh, if you blinked, you missed it. It kind of just happened over the weekend. Um, it was, you know, it was, I think it was what it was meant to be the all-star weekend. They did throw rollers in the distance competition. Something to be said about that maybe. Um, but, uh, my question is, you know, what I like the all-star weekend for a lot of times is just the first time getting to see some guys throw see what they're looking like um so i just want to know from from all of you did we learn anything at all from the all-star weekend as as we start heading into the season robbie lead us off all right so two fpo two mpo takeaways here we go first fpo takeaway evelina her putt is still what we expected it to be 30 percent circle one x <laughs> Uh, like that is, I, I'm so hopeful for her and there are so many people that want to help her with her putt. Uh, and I just want to see Evelyn to succeed. Second, Holland Handley crushed it. Like them discraft, this be doing discraft things. She was crushing the game. I'm super stoked to see her this season. She was successful in pretty much every single event she was a part of. She had one of the largest margins of victory in her singles matches over Sarah Hokum. She won by eight strokes. That's awesome. We know Hokum has the skills to compete. Uh, but my two big MPO takeaways, the first is Calvin Heimberg. Don't ever wear that white jersey on a championship Sunday ever again. He wore a white jersey all year last year. He only won two events. One of them, he wasn't wearing a white jersey. He won multiple events this weekend, and he was wearing a blue jersey the whole time. Please, Calvin, as a fan, stop wearing the white on Sunday. Please wear color on Sunday. And then the final takeaway, guys, is how much more exciting would this weekend have been if the winner got to demote or promote one of the silver chairs? <laughs> <laughs> and you lose a point he for that. He breaks it back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, man, I'll tell you, though, you are a really big Calvin fan to be picking up on the, uh, oh, the jersey, the jersey color. Good, that's bro. that's impressive. That wow. So Robbie was paying attention. Yeah, you are. Uh, he was paying attention to the All-Star Weekend. Brody, how about you? Did you know? Here's a here's a here's a question for you guys. Did you know that they had three jerseys? It was a different jersey every day. Did you no. know that, Robbie? Was there like a little pat? The pattern changed on them, did not? Apparently, yeah. yeah. I, I still think there's only <laughs> two knows. because there's only photos of two of them. Calvin swears. I mean, he was there that there were three. Uh, there is only evidence of two in photos on the uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour Instagram. But I would say things we learned. One, Trevor, you you. Uh, Hinted on it a little bit. Kyle Klein th throws the furthest roller of anyone on tour. Um, they did not get the idea of the accuracy thing being bad for TV. They still went with the the string or rope or whatever mm -hmm. that's impossible to see. 
and let's just have people throw around that. Um, again, guys, it does not cost that much money to get like breakable items with the other captain's face on it. Let's put breakable <laughs> items with the other captain's, captain's face and have like people sniping things from different distances I'm with for it. points. Like let's get let's get a little bit different here. Um other thing, putting thing, still really boring. Not sure how you make putting more exciting to watch. It is what it is. On the FPO side, I think we learned that on golf courses that require long throws, players that throw long win. If you look wow. down the if you look down the line on F, on the, <laughs> if you look down the line on FPO, literally all the FPO winners were people that threw further than the other people. Um, so I think that is something that when when it comes to the FPO side, there is such a big difference between people that throw <laughs> far and people that don't. That on these courses, it's still difficult to set up a course that mm-hmm. works for both, especially with some of the pars. Uh, and then to to go on Robbie, the Evelina and Henna, Henna don't. I mean, Henna had two putts that I'm still trying to figure out how. I don't know. Maybe maybe you and Hunter can go out and like actually try to replicate this putt because I don't know if I could actually replicate it. I I literally do not know how it comes out of your hand and just shoots to the right. I don't know what's going on in the offseason there. I wish they got their putting figured out because they can throw the disc so dang good. And then I would say uh, uh, Simon is transferring over to MVP very well. Seems like it so far. Hunter, what did you see? Oh. First of all, I've got to defend Henna slightly because we've seen me do similar things at Heritage in our last monthly match. And look, no. stuff. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. This, this disc, pretty bad. Hunter, I'll send you the link. This disc shot at a 30-degree angle. Can I have some, can I have some time added? There's added, added time. Like sorry, sorry. sorry. Added time. My bad, my bad, my bad. My bad. Wow. Injury time, injury um, time. And I was just trying to defend an FPO player that is struggling with something I'm struggling with, okay? I can sympathize with him. But on the FPO side, Brody, I think, at the nail on the head where – it wasn't that shocking, to be honest with you, the player performed well. I, I was looking at this question more so as, like, what do we learn going into the season? So I was looking a lot more at singles. And the players that performed well, it was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Evelina and Henna still struggle with putting. On MPO side, though, I think there's two big things I wanted to focus on. One, we got to see Gannon play with a little bit of pressure, uh, tournament-esque pressure with this lawsuit kind of on his back. And it seemed like he handled it fine. I think that being a 17-year-old kid might be to his advantage here. Secondary thing, I think Brody, everyone nailed it or touched on it at least a little bit. Simon throwing MVP, there's a lot of questions. I mean, he looked just as good as ever. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a problem going into the year. But it, it's hard to take much takeaways from an all-star event that players probably aren't taking that seriously. Yeah, yeah. I, I... I feel like you definitely get a mix of the all-star uh, events. I, I thought it was really funny. There was recently... Uh... They were interviewing uh, Joe Kitch, the NBA player, and he was just like, you shouldn't draft me for the All-Star game. I'm not really built for this. And I think there's just some <laughs> some guys like this. Dustin, what did you learn? Yeah, I mean, you have to take the results with a grain of salt because it's not tournament pressure like a tour event. It is an All-Star event. But at least some of the usual suspects that we know usually perform well on tour did perform well at this event. And so at least they look like they're in good health and good shape. So I'm talking about Macbeth, Heinberg, and Dickerson. But we also learned that Wasaki is now injured. So that adds to the list of players that are going to have a slow start to the season, like Valerie Mandahano and such, that are dealing with injury. Um, as Hunter alluded to, Gannon did perform really well at this event despite the ongoing lawsuit. Um, it's, this will be interesting if that holds up over time in actual tour events, especially if the lawsuit drags up and the stress levels continue to increase. 
Um, I'm on board as well with the Simon Lazat doing fine with MVP. He was the number one scorer in singles. He passed the eye test with distance and accuracy. And he was 100% C1X putting, which I know he was struggling with putting with some of the content he was putting out when he first uh, swapped back. So good to see he's improved upon that. The uh, FPO side, Han Hanley looked really good with this craft. Uh, just a few putting woes, but throwing great. And I think she's going to be a player to keep an eye on going forward. Also want to shout out Ella Hansen as she did really well in singles and doubles. And she's currently only ranked 14th in the UDIS World Rankings. I think based on what I'm seeing from her, like at All-Stars and just in general lately, that she's going to jump up quite a bit. I think she's incredibly talented. And yeah, like Hannah and Evelina, still struggling with putting. Same old story. Was really hoping to see improvement in that area at this event. We didn't see it. So it's going to kind of just be that same storyline, it seems. Yeah, I was noticing. Uh, I was noticing Ella seems a little underrated in the rankings as well. But thrower, thrower's course. So yeah. we'll we'll kind of figure out. Uh, Robbie, this is not not for points. I just want to make sure that it was clarified. There are plenty of people that want to help our Finnish women with their putt. I would put myself on that list. Just just let us help if you want. Robbie, I want to bitch. help, but I what don't do think, think I can be much help. Robbie, what do you think? Real quick, what do you think is the issue? So I think it is the routine. Her routine changes on every single time she puts. So her timing's different. Her cadence is different. Uh, and on the henna putt you're talking about, she super risks it, which she's mm -hmm. like trying to will it into the basket. So your risk gets overly involved, which causes you to over risk and pull it to the right. Yeah. I think um, rather than trusting when you have emotion. a really when you have a really wrist heavy spin putt and you have a little bit of nerves and yips some crazy things can happen i've been there hunter's been there we've all been there it, it well maybe not brody he's he's just the goat um all right no no i'm 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 literally brody is just so I, arrogant. experimenting brody's just <laughs> so good at throwing frisbees man no i'm i'm really not good at putting either but i'm just saying like i for when, it's happened, when it's happened to me it's can we get that finger. in slow motion and really issue. analyze it, it frame issue. by frame <laughs> When it happened to me, it was on my pointer finger. Just yeah, kind of stayed it, on there. Hooks Next on thing your you know, it's like, uh-oh. So, Brody, think about if the disc starts rotating, right? And it's still on so your pointer like finger. it's almost like a trick shot. You're right. like a trick shot. Right. Yeah. That's, but it, that's, but yeah. the same effect can still happen if it doesn't hook on your finger. But wait, how is it hooked yeah. on your finger? Your index finger is not even hey, on the wrist. Well, some hey, people, my some people have their the finger underneath it. Oh, some like people curled. do that. Not curled, okay. but like resting. And sometimes I go to putt and that thing just whoop. Things happen. It go, only Robbie happens when you. in a bad mindset. It only happens okay. when I'm already having a bad putting day. Let's be clear there. All right. Well, there's right. a quick tutorial for everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make sure you check out Robbie C's channel for, for putting yeah. advice. <laughs> plug. Um, only if you're a beginner, though. He made that very clear in his last correct. video. That's true. But That's I'm true. still watching him, buddy, so I'm still supporting. Um, all right. <laughs> points update. Elimination time. Brody and Robbie at 9 and 10 points. See you later. You're gone. Hunter and Dustin, Hunter at 11, Dustin at 13. We got ourselves a two-point game. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I just got Bless something you. stuck in Bless my throat. You. Please don't wear white, um, Calvin. I did this for you. <laughs> yeah, that was honestly the most noteworthy thing of the show. Um, <laughs> not like we were talking about a lawsuit or anything, but the, the white t-shirt situation <laughs> was way more important. Um, headed into our rapid-fire round now. Um, we got a Hunter-Dustin matchup, the rematch everybody wanted, I think. Um, we're going to have three topics, 30 seconds each. Um, we're going to talk one more about Gannon. Uh, but yeah, let's hop into the Rob Fire Rounds house. Throw us in. Hunter. All right. Handshake. Come on. We, we put it to bed. We put it to bed. Listen, you called me out. I defended myself. We're even. Let's go. Let's get it. 
All right, here we go. We're going to do... We'll, we'll discuss uh, once we know where points fall. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do one more uh, one more Ganon Burr subject. I think this of one... Course. This one's just kind of a little more vague, and I think it's it's kind of up in the air. Dustin, you can lead off for us, and sure. we're going to do a buy, sell, or hold stock in Gannon Burr. Dustin. I'm going to buy because even though it's risky, it, it makes other people want to go away from him maybe, so stock's like a little lower. And so I'm definitely going to buy because I think eventually the whole situation is going to get resolved, whether it gets settled out of quarter or whatever the case may be, and we're going to move past it. Bottom line is the kid performs. He was the rookie of the year in 2021. 2022, he won a major and was a consistent top five contender. In fact, I think he had the best top five finish percentage of anyone on tour. He passes the eye test in all aspects of the game. Elite distance, can throw backhand and forehand, fantastic putter, and he showed down the stretch at USDGC that he can come up clutch to close out a big win. He's incredibly young with a positive trajectory, so a lot of time to collect big results. Uh, clearly has a ton of potential. Uh, and also, I think his personality is great for marketability. I mean, when you see that kid in content, you just can't help but laugh. Like, he does seem to have that, you know, personality that you really like aside from the performance as well. So I'm definitely buying an inverse stock here. Yeah, yeah, the eye test is certainly there. Hunter, are you investing the same way? Absolutely. I think Gannon actually is one of the, the smartest, safest investments to make on tour right now because regardless of what he's throwing, like, what's the worst case scenario here? He has to stay throwing the disc that just won him a major championship at the age of 17 or 16, whatever 17 I think he is, he's still like one of the most talented players on tour with probably like 20 years of tour ahead of him. I mean, I don't, from a player perspective, I don't think any of this really amounts to a hill of beans when it all comes to a head. You're still investing in a great player that has a lot of success ahead of him, and I wouldn't be scared to invest in Gannon at all. Now, what if you were just investing in his bank account? Think about that. Well, that wasn't the question. That wasn't the question. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. So everybody's buying. I, I, I would agree with that. You know, you guys are right in the sense that he is the talent is probably not going anywhere. So, you know, there's certain that's certainly something to bet on. Um, all right. Kind of pivoting away from that. This is something that I recently noticed in uh, last weekend's broadcast on the PGA Tour that I thought was interesting. Um, so. Colin Morikawa on the tee. He's a, a relevant player in this tournament, so it's not even like he was somebody you know somebody on the main feed, um, very much in the tournament. And he hits a shot, and he's walking down the fairway. Camera goes to him. He's got the AirPods in, and he's just talking with the booth. Um, he's talking about the shot he just hit, kind of his strategy. It's a very low-key addition to the broadcast. This is something I think has been debated quite a bit across various sports because it's something that baseball has done for spring training. They've had like outfielders mic'd up like during the play. Um, and I think there's an interesting balance because there's no doubt that it is entertaining, um, but uh, it, you know there could be some downsides as well. So is this something you think the Disc Golf Network should give a try, or do you think the public would hate it, the players would hate it? Like, how would this be received? Hunter, what do you think? I think as a fan, it's it's great. I think it's very entertaining. It provides insight into a player's mind in the heat of the battle, um, and it gives us knowledge that we wouldn't – there's no other way to have it. The instance I saw it used was actually Max Homa when he was coming down the stretch several tournaments ago. Um, but I think if, as a player, I would absolutely hate this because disc golf, golf in general, is such a mental sport. You're trying to get in the zone. Last thing I would want is Terry or Brian asking me what happened on the grip-locked putt I just threw. Like, imagine Henna if she just was mic'd up after she threw the putt 30 feet right and she's got Brody going, now, how did that even happen? <laughs> Not that, that wouldn't really be what goes down, but I think a player side, it would be a nightmare. Fan side, I would love it. So I don't know where I fall on it. As a fan, I want it. 
Dustin, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Pro Tour should always be looking for ways to innovate when it comes to their live coverage. And I think that getting course insights uh, from people on the ground is always going to add value to any broadcast because we aren't going to be able to get those insights any other way. And I think there is like one level to it when you have someone like Brian Earhart or Nate Perkins or Terry or whoever on the course who, when it actually works for a change, they actually are able to give us like some cool information on the fly about course conditions or a player's lie or something like that. But getting an actual player on the mic uh, who's actually competing, you get way different types of insight, you know, like getting in the head of a player when they're coming down the stretch, things that label, it just gives us a deeper understanding of what's going through the mind of them as they're playing on the course. Also, maybe you catch like a bonus storyline that you didn't even know about because a player informs you about something that you weren't aware of. And then all of a sudden that's something that we can carry on through the rest of the broadcast and into content in the future. But I will say, the player has to be willing to do it. Like, don't force the player to do it just because of what Hunter said. You don't want them getting out of the zone. And also be careful. You need to plan this because you don't want some hot mic stuff happening where some stuff gets said and people's careers get damaged. Like, it needs to be really well, you know, handled in that regard. Yeah, I, I think it does come down to, like, it seems like a pretty obvious play for the fans and the broadcast side of things. But it's, A, the broadcast has to be able to make it happen. And then, B, are the players going to be willing? I'd be curious to know how the PDGA is making those calls and how they're, like, presenting that to players. If it's like, hey, you're putting this mic in. Or if it's like, do you want to be able to do this? And we'll even pay you more. Like, I don't, like who knows how they're yeah. doing it? But there's definitely no doubt that it is. All Bro, do you know the answer? Yes, I do know the answer. What? How is it going? They how simply they are just asking players if they want to do it. And if the players do want to do it, then they will. So, like, Rom's going to be doing it in an upcoming event. He turned it down, I believe, earlier in the season because he wanted to see kind of how it played out. But obviously how it's playing out right now, it's doing really, really well. And people are really loving it. So I think more players are going to be inclined to do it. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. I figured there was obviously some option for the players. I am my, if I'm that player, there are certain days where I'd love to tell you all about what's going on. And there are other days where I'd like, just leave me alone, please. Jim Nance, I don't want to hear your voice. <laughs> um, all right. Last subject today. Uh, this is a pretty broad one because I think there's a lot of answers to this. There's definitely some that seem more apparent than others, but we're heading into Vegas now. Um, coming up this weekend. And I just want to know what is the biggest storyline because, you know, a lot of people would say Gannon Burr immediately, but a few more have been introduced, uh, Ricky being one of them. So what do you think is the biggest storyline, Dustin? So my biggest storyline is kind of broad, so I don't hope I'm not like cheating on this one, but my big story for me is will the breakout players from last year continue that trend in 2023 with this opening event? So basically, will someone like Simon, who had that crazy breakout year last year with the four wins, be able to keep that up this year on top of changing to a new manufacturer? I think, you know, Gannon, can he keep on track after winning USCGC and breaking out despite all the legal drama? And then you think about other MPO players like a Nicholas Antela and Isaac Robinson and Alden Harris. Like, can they become consistent tenders uh, in MPO and not just be like breakout players from last year? And the same could be said for the FPO side for players like a Macy Vela Diaz or a Holland Handley. Even a Maria Oliva at times like showed incredible skill last year. Uh, can they continue to do that despite in some of these cases, people changing manufacturers and bags and stuff like that? Yeah, I do think it is always one of the first things I look for when I see uh, the live coverage go up and I look at the leaderboard. I'm like, okay, where are those names that kind of popped up last year? Are they still what, what we thought there? But also tough to know from the first event sometimes. Hunter, what do you think the big storyline is? Well, I think that the, what Dustin just mentioned is a big storyline for the season, but not for Vegas, mainly because Vegas isn't going to tell us much. Vegas is a, one of those, it's an event like Waco where odd players are going to excel because it's it's not your traditional way of playing disc golf. So 
to me, I think that Simon, where he's going to be under some pressure with the, the change, this is a course he's going to do well at no matter what he's throwing. He'd go out there with a bucket lid and a polecat, and he'd be just fine. Um, I think the real pressure is on three, two players, and then a third player is additional pressure. Gannon Burr and Drew Gibson. Gannon uh, has pressure from the lawsuit. How is he actually going to handle this pressure? Drew Gibson kind of had a flat season after the win there last year. So I think that those two, uh, a lot of eyes on them. And then the third player, a lot of people are forgetting. Nicola Castro's coming back into this field, man. And what is that going to look like? Pro Tour, please put him on a feature card. Um, those are my three big ones coming into Vegas, at least. All right. I don't think he is. Um, here's the thing. We're tied up at 19. I think it was a pretty close match, and we're tied up. So we're going to go into a little tiebreaker because we have no other choice. Um, so my tiebreaker question is going to be simply, simply this. Um, will Gannon Burr be throwing prodigious for the entirety of this season why or why not dustin go ahead and start for us i'm gonna go ahead and say no because a first of all i think he can get away with it with this whole stampless concept he's going with where you're not even going to know what he's throwing anyway so i think that he should be able to throw whatever he wants in that regard and b i also do think that this lawsuit i mean the hearings like what like in march or something like that uh i do think that likely this can get settled very quickly as long as someone's willing to pay monetary damages whether it be Gannon himself or whether it be the next manufacturer that wants to sponsor him is willing to do that as kind of like a pseudo buyout type uh, situation um so i do think that there's some good chances that Gannon's going to be able to throw some different plastic also technicality he is throwing stuff made by prodigy but not actual prodigy branded with the airborne stuff with the falcor so i mean he already did it just saying <laughs> I technicality yeah that's pretty prodigy branded I, I don't know about i don't know about all that necessarily hunter what, what do you think i i mean i definitely think gannon will be throwing prodigy the rest of the year i think the most likely scenario from the alleged information that prodigy's filing this court filing is some type of settlement will happen before this ever goes to trial because the march 3rd hearing is on the preliminary injunction which if that goes through that could really mess up with with gannon in, in the future but more or less, this will settle before it actually makes it to court. And I think the settlement will probably involve Gannon's got to finish out. This is just a speculation. Gannon's got to finish out his current contract and issue some type of like public apology. And so in my mind, I think Gannon's going to be throwing prodigy in some way, shape or form the rest of the year. Public apology. Yeah. I'd have to agree. No I'd have way. To, yeah. I'd I, mean, I mean, he, the court filings are all alleging damage to the brand. I think the only way to reverse that is to have the person that prodigy is alleging is causing it to backtrack. Doesn't. I can't see a public apology, bro. I mean, the guy didn't even say much bad about prodigy when he made the announcement that he was leaving. He actually thanked them on his way out the door. So I can't see them trying to force a public apology. That's, wow. that's, that's a stretch, man. Well, I mean, what he said, what he said to prodigy though, is now public information though. So that's on Prodigy because they filed the lawsuit. That ain't Gannon's fault that it's public information. That's true. That's true. But they could say that their hand was forced. Could have settled <laughs> out of court. There's a lot of who knows what there is, the heck there is. It's, it's, it's incredibly vague. But in any case, I'm going to give Hunter the win today. I'm going I'm to okay. give it to him. I think he earned it today. Um, I, I, know he's, I know he studied the case filings hard. He, uh, he, he really earned it. He's over there in the warehouse right now. Uh, it just grinding it out in that little office. And so, Hunter, you're a winner today. You're a first-time winner. And uh, what do you have to say? Or no, you're a first-time winner. He's a two-time. Two-time. He's a two-time, just like me. You're we a two-time. Two two so now, two two so now we're, we're tied up. I need to, like, have, like, a, a chalkboard or something. I need to keep track well, of my winners. We're not tied winners. up we're not head to head. I'm one and two against Dustin. I know where I stand. I know where I stand. But we are now both the two-times, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Signature disc incoming. Yeah. <laughs> that Mockingbird's got to be changed. No, I mean, Did you get it, the was, 
this is my final i get i get my like victory lap right is that yes. still the thing yeah okay. you your victory okay. lap okay uh First off, Dustin, it's always a pleasure. It's a pleasure battling with everyone. I had some increased adversity this week. I didn't get the script when everyone else got the script. Oh, uh, that was my. very tough. Um, so I'm glad I was able to still pull through. Um, nothing but respect for Dustin. Nothing but respect for for Brody and Robbie. I love being able to come here and do what I do. Um, and I'm glad that I'm glad my hard work has paid off and I'm I'm back on on top this week. All I'd like to say is if if you tried to sue me for not giving you the script, all they have <laughs> to do is all they'd have to do is look into the Discord and the text messages we've shared with each other, and that would immediately go up in smoke. So um, I that's tweeted all I'd my say evidence. About that. Everything I have is out there. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Uh, all right. Well, that was uh, that was another episode of Debate Night, done and dusted. Um, obviously, this episode was very heavy on the Gannon Burr situation. I'd like to say that that's not going to continue to be a trend, but if new information is released, then we're going to talk about it. Um, as things are right now, we're probably done uh, because I think everything that's out there is kind of Can been talked about quick? enough. Yeah, go I think for we it. All, I think we all escaped this episode tiptoeing around getting sued for defamation and so you know I'm no well now you just you just did it now now you just see their their keywording us and now that you said the word uh, defamation the algorithm, yeah the algorithm is gonna it's also, gonna toast Robbie's us screwed. well if i'm gonna lose this show <laughs> yeah. i'm bringing you all down with me on that robbie's so gonna go. get sued by henna for defamation and so and brody's getting dragged <laughs> into that one as well so i was just like, asking a question of how it's possible i'm She's, trying to she help use something i can't do that <laughs> i'm trying to help oh my gosh um, i've done it i'll be the witness i'll explain exactly how it's possible they just got to watch me putt for like an hour they'll see it happen a few you times you need to give me a tutorial on how to do that bro. i will and do it everyone that's trying to say that i'm out here trying to get into the more wins via calvin heimberg wearing the right shirt <laughs> a lot of stuff going on right a lot now. of stuff going on Throwing yeah anyways in. Well, we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, hopefully, some some non-Gannon subjects. We're um, we're gonna have a tournament under our belt next week, so there'll be a, all that to talk about. Hopefully, some some crazy storylines from Vegas. What Brody tells us, the weather is looking uh, dicey to say yeah. to say the least. So I'm sure that's how be, you want it. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be part of what we uh, discuss. But uh, other than that, if you're watching and you think you want to be on debate night, make sure to contact us. We'd love to uh, give you an audition of some sort and maybe have you on the show sometime in the future. But other than that, we will see you next week.